Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. The Leadership File on Premier. This is The Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes. I'm Andy Peck, your host, whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via podcast. It's great to have you along. In the world of mission agencies, you will know that we tend to have two extremes. Organisations that go back 100 years plus to the days of evangelical missionary endeavour in the 18th and 19th centuries, and those founded relatively recently. Well, this week I'm joined by an agency that has the best of both worlds. Uh, Heritage is the Methodist Relief and Development Fund, which goes back 80 plus years, and the new fresh entrepreneurial thrust given uh, as a new name in 2014, All We Can, a name taken from a famous quote, of the founder of the Methodist Church, John Wesley. I'm delighted to be joined this week by Steve Adams, who is the Public Engagement Director for All We Can, and regular listeners may recall he was my guest a few years ago, talking about his book, The Centre Brain. So welcome to the Leadership File, Steve. Great to have you with us. Many thanks, Andy. Most will be aware of the traditional missionary model, where the sending nation, which in the past, of course, was Britain, trains and sends its people to do mission in a nation perceived to need it and that mission may include evangelism social action schools hospitals and of course meeting meeting very immediate needs in terms of relief of uh, of basic uh, concerns but you're looking to change how we think about mission that's right andy um and in terms of how we're trying to change it your question framed the whole issue in a way that is very common you said in a nation perceived to need it and that's where the change begins in the thinking. So uh, there has been traditionally an approach, and you, you termed it the kind of 18th, 19th century model to missionary uh, activity, in which we decide, in this case in the UK, what nation uh, do we perceive needs help and what help do they need? Be that some sort of social action activity, a hospital, a church, uh, evangelism, whatever. And we decide pre-going. We train people for that and we send them to that location. There's a biblical principle, and I wouldn't want to drill into this or argue it too strongly, but there is definitely a theme which runs through uh, the New Testament. And it's epitomised when Jesus asks people, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, And you could argue, and I would argue, that he didn't take that uh, approach of saying, well, that man's uh, got a leg that is in need of healing. I'll just go up to him and heal it. Instead, he goes up and says, what is it you want me to do for you? So he dignifies and he honours the person who will benefit. And when you ask around changing thinking and the whole area of mission, this is where it starts. It's what what I sometimes call the elephant in the room. Uh, If I can use an analogy to explain it for listeners, uh, if mission was a tandem bicycle, uh, then 
uh, it, it, it's often been done as if we in the UK decide uh, a certain nation needs help. We take that tandem, that help, we take it into that nation and we invite the locals to get on the back seat of the tandem and essentially to help pedal forward our mission while we're on the front, we're steering it. Um, it's interesting that I don't think Jesus left us a project manager to do it for us. He left us a counsellor to whisper, to guide. A counsellor doesn't tell people what to do. They influence them and they inform them. And so our model, our rethinking of this is partnership. Uh, we call it the partnership model, uh, not, not the most exciting title, but it speaks to the fact that we are trying to say when you first go to a nation, a community, a people, let's follow Jesus's example and start by saying to a partner, a project in that country, what is it? What is your calling? What is it you feel you are called to do here? We're not here to ask you to get on our tandem. If that project you are called to is your tandem, what we will do is say, how can we get on the back seat? You steer it, you drive it, you brake when you need to. And what we will provide is enough resources, enough, uh, often it will be like we may bring uh, an accountant in to help the organization sort out its finances. We may bring a strategist in, not to tell them what their strategy should be, but to help them form their strategy. And that model turns everything on its head. And the benefit, after four to five years, the partners we work with and the communities have understood that actually they have enough potential to do it for themselves. They don't need anyone else to do it for them. It's unlocking their God-given potential. That sounds absolutely brilliant, Steve. Um, it reminds me of a conversation I've had with someone with another mission agency who talked about how in the past they would give money to projects and often they'd come back some years later and the projects really hadn't developed very much. Yeah. But when they partnered uh, with an organ with the person, maybe loaned the money. Interestingly, the projects flourished because the person felt much more in as if they owned what they were doing rather than receiving. Along that line, Sandy, <clears throat> I know I've come across over the last twenty years having the privilege of travelling in Africa, Asia, Latin America uh, on these sort of projects. I've come across so many examples. Let me give you just two. One in a particular country in sub-Saharan Africa where a community uh, were given 30 goats. Uh, the community didn't ask for goats. They weren't actually a, an animal husbandry uh, region. They grew crops. So, you know, but why would they want goats? But a donor in the UK had said to the charity, we want to give goats. And that's a great example of they perceived goats would be the answer. And so the goats were given. Uh, some of the goats got ill and died. And when the, when the local project went back to them three months later and said, but some of the goats are dead, they said, well, we tried to ring you to tell you your goats were ill, but we couldn't because we don't have phones. And the, the, the point there is we tried to ring you to tell you your goats were ill. They had not been part of the project. They didn't see a need for goats and they didn't own it. Uh, and one other story, um, I sat with a gentleman again in a, a part of Africa who'd had a new biomass stove fitted. And on the stove, that's where you, you use manure to, to elicit the gas from uh, those kind of excrements and use it for cooking the gas. Um, and I sat with him and there was a plaque on his biomass stove celebrating the US investor, a donor who'd done this. And I said, what does that plaque tell you? And on the first day, he said to me, well, it tells me I'm not alone. 
But as I got to know him, I was able to build trust with him. And I said on the second day, tell me honestly what that plaque says to you. And he says, it reminds me every day that I could never do this for myself. And therein lies the problem. If we listened more to the communities we wish to serve, we would understand a very different way of engaging that releases their potential and leaves them as the heroes instead of us. As you told that story, it was, there was a, a humorous element to it, but a very sad element as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, particularly the goats, um, you know, yeah. and 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 but yeah, the giver of the goats had 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 inte- good intent in their hearts, but for goodness sake, why, you know? That's the the important part to remember is nobody is doing this for any reason other than they wish to serve and help. And um, yeah, so we, we don't in any way stand in judgment. We just seek to pioneer a different way. No, that's that's beautifully said. Um, so so where where are the kind of places that you would be working uh, in partnership with people? So we work, uh, we're not a big agency. We describe ourselves as a great big small agency. We're one of the rare ones in that when our ambition isn't to grow massive, it's to pioneer these models and hope that they are taken by other agencies. And I can talk later about how we're seeing that happen. But we work in Lebanon, Jordan, India, Bangladesh, uh, Indonesia, Haiti. And then uh, a lot of our work is sub-Saharan Africa. So Zimbabwe, Uganda, Cameroon, Sierra Leone, um, Ethiopia, and Malawi. Um, so we work with partners. Some of those will be Methodist. Some will be just church-based. Some will be not church-based, but community-based. Um, and so there's a, a real mix of partners. Can you kind of perhaps illustrate um, situations where, if you like, an old-style approach uh, might have been used in a situation but where actually you've come along and in your partnership have gone with a different kind of approach um i appreciate that's hard to know because you don't know necessarily what an old style approach might have been but you could perhaps imagine how old style mission organization might have um focused on on an issue so whilst we may not be able to imagine what an old style is you only have to ask local communities They've lived with old style mission for so many years. And let me tell you one story. We work with a partner in in Malawi called Eagles Relief and Development. They are a church based partner um, and they are they were birthed by their their church, Living Waters Development Church. And they have uh, hundreds and hundreds of local community churches in, in poor communities. And so they started Eagles as a way to say, let's use these churches to bring practical hope and help as well as spiritual hope and help to our communities. In one of those um, in one of those communities where I was, um, I asked to speak to a neighboring community. And I said to the neighboring community, uh, you're obviously hoping to benefit from this church mobilization type project. And they said, yes, we are. And I said, can you tell me, because I wanted to find out the question you've asked me, what does it look like done differently? I said, can you tell me what other help have you had that hasn't been through the local church partnership model? And they said to me, do you know, there was a drought here three years ago and another agency, it was actually quite a well-known UK agency, I won't mention them, but they said they turned up with a lorry full of grain because there was a drought. Now, you could argue, and I I can understand people may listen to this and think, well, great, that's what they need. But the challenge was this lorry turned up. The driver said, right, it's food for work. We can't just give you the food. We have to show the donors that you've worked for it. Um, So they said, right, uh, we're going to get you to build a road. And the community leaders gathered and said, well, you've just driven down a road. We don't actually need one. They then said, "Okay, um, can you build uh, a lake? 
uh, you know, which will preserve the water. And they took these people to a different part of the village and said, well, we've got one. And they then ended up saying, OK, let, let's build a, a school. And they took them to a different part of the village and said, well, we've kind of got a school. Um, you know, the problem is you've come in telling us what you want. You have not asked us what we want. Um, the opposite was happening in the next door village where Eagles Relief and Development were working through the local church. And the way it started there was by the first year of this programme during that first year, um, there were a listening period for the church to listen to the community and say, what are the big issues that that through the church we can help you address? And so the, the, the ownership was sowed because people then knew, well, the issues that the church lead us to respond on are issues that have come from us. We've decided on them. And the important part is although the lorry driver in the next door community then left once he'd left the grain with them, the church is always there. So the church doesn't leave. And that's one of the reasons why this partnership model, we use it sometimes with churches. We use it with community groups who may not be people of faith. But in any context, there needs to be a group of people who own it locally and drive it. And that's one example of uh, a new way of thinking and working, which begins with listening. Oh, that's brilliant, Steve. Thank you so much. While you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck, I'm joined this week by Steve Adams. He's the Public Engagement Director for All We Can. We'll be back just after this. Well, welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Steve Adams. He's the Public Engagement Director of All We Can. It's uh, uh, the new name of a, a charity or mission agency, rather, uh, which used to be Methodist Relief and Development Fund. Talking before the break of a, a new approach to the way in which we think about mission and, and certainly practice mission um, in terms of partnership. And uh, Steve was giving some fascinating and, and somewhat sad and poignant illustrations of how uh, charitable activity perhaps has not been as as valued by the, the recipient as it might have been if only uh, conversations could have taken place and listening uh, uh, done. So, Steve, um, you've written... Uh, this book, Centre Brain, which we talked about some years ago when you came on the show. And I just wonder, as you come into a, a new charity, no, no, no doubt your antennae was up uh, as you were, uh, kind of looked at what was being happening there. Some areas perhaps where you were pleased and some things you've had to maybe change, or is that a bit, bit of an unfair question? No, it's a good question. Um, and the reason it's a good question is because most of us in our personal lives, in our church lives, when, when we stand and preach or communicate, and indeed in charities, for those of us who work in, in third sector agencies, we all tend to start by telling people, whether that's a friend uh, having a coffee, uh, someone we're sat next to in church, or perhaps now in COVID sat three seats away from if we're fortunate, um, uh, or indeed if it's in a charity communicating with uh, a mass of generous people, we will all say what is our message. In other words, we would like you to give some money so that we can help create a borehole. That's called selling your product, the borehole, with the product. What The way the brain works, and I'll come to it through this to answer your question of what we've done at All We Can, is that the brain, the centre brain, which is the bit that decides, shall we act on this or not, it doesn't respond to messages. That's proven. It will not respond to a message. And so, and Jesus knew this, and he employed it whenever he spoke. If we want people to act and respond, we need to turn our message into an idea. 
So think about Jesus. He uh, he stands up and he starts his ministry by announcing the kingdom of God. If you look at Matthew 13, there's great examples of how Jesus turned his message, which is the kingdom of God is here, into an idea. What did he say? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, like a fishing net. He used ideas the whole time to enable people to own and understand what 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 his message was. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And so one of the things we've done at All We Can is to say, actually, we're going to progress. Uh, we're not going to change our work. We're not going to change our partnership approach. But we're going to say when we launch a campaign, we will make it much more idea based. So this year, as an example, we decided we would focus in attention on a brilliant uh, partner that we work with in Uganda called Fabio, First African Bicycle Information Organization. And they provide bicycles for girls who live far too far away from school in very rural areas. But by providing a bicycle to the girl, she can get to school, gain an education. Uh, and in turn, the bicycle after school is then used by the mother. There's lots of stories of the mother who is pregnant, maybe pregnant, needs to get to clinic. The father who can uh, take crops to market to sell. The brother who might go and collect water from the borehole two kilometres away. And, and the reason we like this project is because it's partnership. We don't tell them where they should go on the bike. We don't tell them how to cycle it. I mean, they know how to cycle it. But the point is the bike itself will not change anyone's life. It's down to them to, to use the bike in a partnership way to be the author of their own transformation. And so we, instead of starting this campaign this year by saying buy a bike for uh, a girl and her family in Uganda, that would be selling a product with a product. We frame the campaign as change begins with a bike break the cycle of poverty with all we can. Now, it may seem simple, but what that's meant is that we have seen lots and lots of different people take that line, change begins with a bike, and start to apply it to, little, to different situations. So we're currently in talks with a mountain biking uh, organization who are saying, hang on a minute, change begins with a bike. For us, for our mountain bikers, who in the UK love mountain biking, it change does begin with a bike because many people, particularly in COVID, find that it changes their whole week, their whole outlook, their whole family engagement when they get to go out on a Saturday mountain bike. We're talking, we meant it as change begins with a bike for girls in Uganda. But the point is an idea is applicable to everyone. And so change begins with a bike is a good example of turning a message into an idea. Uh, and we've got people currently, we brought back a bike from Uganda. We've got a gentleman, uh, Rob Marnie, down in, near, in Sussex, who is cycling that bike around 17 Methodist churches. Uh, again, change begins with a bike. The president of the Methodist church, Richard Teal, has cycled 250 miles on a bicycle for this campaign. Again, because he's saying change for him in terms of his ongoing fitness levels, in terms of bringing hope to poor communities, uh, has started through this idea. So uh, if you want to find out about that campaign, if you go to allwecan.org.uk forward slash bike, you'll find out loads about it. But it, but it's, it's how do we change our message and frame it as an idea. So All We Can was voted one of the top five best places to work by uh, third sector. So. You must be getting something right, Steve, in your organisation. What do you think it is? 
Uh, yeah, I, I think it's, first of all, the partnership model. The partnership model means that as an organisation in the UK, we have a partnership mindset. We, it, it's not always easy. All of us have our journeys to go on, but it's how do we in communication, in working as a team, how do we believe the best? How do we think of not me, not I, but us? How do we think of an organisational model of anything we're doing? How do we make sure we, when we come up with a new idea, we don't just launch it, but we listen to people. Um, I'm reading a book called Scaling Up, uh, which is all about the Rockefeller habits for leadership. And one of the key principles, which I think explains the partnership mindset, is you have to, if you want to be a senior leader, be the dumbest in the room. And what, what that means is Rockefeller habits, Rockefeller's habits in the US were all about him saying, a CEO's role is not to just rock up and lay out the direction of an organization. It's instead to be the one to ask the questions and listen. And it's to try and be the dumbest in the room by get people in who know more than you do. So that instead of you trying to buy a dog and bark yourself, you are the one who's sitting back, asking the questions, listening. And, and that's one way of understanding partnership. That one of the reasons I think uh, All We Can was was voted by a secular organisation, Third Sector, as the fourth best charity to work for in the UK. One of the reasons is because there is uh, that principle we try to apply of let's listen. Let's not try and be the cleverest in the room. Let's be the dumbest. And it's amazing what happens when we do that. It's hard to have a conversation about global mission without mentioning the C word, uh, coronavirus. Um, how have things been in the last uh, seven months or so? Uh, we've we've been blessed. We are normally based in Marylebone Road in London in Methodist Church House. Uh, privileged to to work there. Uh, we sh we locked down a couple of days actually before the government imposed it because we could see what was coming. Uh, and so we've been working from home. Like every agency who've done that, every organisation, every church, we've had uh, some challenges. But I have to say, looking back, the team have adapted hugely well. Uh, and we're grateful and thankful for that. And secondly, and more importantly, we're grateful to people, supporters, Christians across churches of all denominations and indeed non-Christians who have continued to support this partnership approach. Um, and we finished our financial year uh, in August. We run an, a financial year, uh, September to August. We finished it a couple of months ago, therefore, with our highest income ever since 2004. Um, so we thank God genuinely for the loyalty and faithfulness of many givers. And I think it's also helped us being able to frame our message in a way that speaks into and lodges with people because we're speaking in ideas, not in messages. That's terrific to hear, Steve. Um, thank you so much. Just as we come to a close, as we look kind of at the future, you very kindly let me see the Strategy 2025 document, but also, I guess, aware that... A lot of mission agencies are not engaging with the younger, you know, the kind of millennial generation, if you like. And it strikes me there's something about your approach that would probably appeal to those who are a little bit suspicious of the kind of top-down stuff. Have you, is there evidence uh, that this partnership model is starting to work in, the, in that way? I think one of the reasons partnership is, is breaking some ground, although it's not an easy ground to break, is that the partnership model says we will empower as I, for my part, have empowered my team, they in turn have done what they are much better at doing than I could ever be, be the dumbest in the room. And through, through lockdown, 
we have developed online uh, activities. We developed an online community, uh, which we call 117 on Facebook. Uh, and from March, that, that's been running every day. And we've just uh, altered the day slightly to three days a week. Um, we also launched the Big Church Sing. We've had 7,000 people join that. We've had Graham Kendrick, London Community Gospel Choir. The point is, there are two things in my understanding to, to win over millennials and younger people and new generations. One is ideas. You find me an advert on TV next time you watch ads that sells a youth product or a young person's product with a message or with a product. They never do. They're all ideas driven. You want to buy night trainers? They're not saying buy a night trainer. They're saying impossible is nothing. So we have moved to ideas which make us more accessible to younger generations. And secondly, the channel, by moving to digital channels, we're finding that we have opportunity to engage with younger people, younger generations who are on those channels. Well, Steve, it's been a really refreshing to hear your uh, approach, to hear about all we can. This is going to be inspiring, I think, to many leaders listening who perhaps have got stuck in a mindset of having to, quote, tell people what to do or come up with the wisdom themselves and actually realising there's a, a different way. So thank you so much. Real pleasure. So that was uh, Steve Adams, who's the Public Engagement Director for All We Can. Forward to again, your company again next Sunday at four. Thanks for tuning in.